Welcome to the Pedava Pesar podcast. I'm your humble host, Billy Hoosh, and this is the podcast where my father and I discuss life and we go through our journey. So we're back from a bit of a hiatus. We had some some issues. A lot of it's part of that malaise that we're all going through as we navigate through this pandemic, but we're all optimistic and it's projects like this that keep us busy and motivate us to just continue pushing forward, which is very much important. And we appreciate all of you that are listening and we encourage you, please give us some feedback, leave a comment or a rating on iTunes if you can. It helps us out and lets us know that we're we're going in the right direction. Anyways, this is the point where we flip the interview and uh, Baba starts asking me questions. Okay, it is July the 3rd, 2021. Baba, how are you doing? I'm okay. Thank you for asking. Everything okay. So today we're going to try something different. Since we came through um, majority of the story, we're close to up to date mm-hmm. to your life story. We got to Port Hope. We haven't reached to the point where you returned to Grimsby, but I'd like to flip it to uh, my story. And in this situation, I'd like you to ask me about my childhood and especially emphasize on those blind spots, those spots where you weren't around uh, to catch up on where I was, what was going on in my life, uh, to see what were the parallels between our lives growing up in this mess. Yeah, that's a great idea, really. I wanted to know exactly. I wanted... I don't say I feel guilty because by force uh, I got no choice to live here in my home or my place. But I was thinking only about you more than my twins because I knew they are older and they are okay. And but you. I'm not sure if they exactly were okay, though. That's the thing. Yeah, that's right. And I understand how that could also be seen almost like a double standard because they were girls and uh, I was a guy. I don't know if you... And I've always heard that since I was young that, oh, uh, especially Middle Eastern, traditionally Iranian families, they almost all cultures... They usually uh, favor the the son, especially the only son, more. I don't know if that was the case in this situation, but I'd like to just bring it up to clarify. Not at all. I love my twins because I was uh, I love them from they born in homeland. That's um, this thing, and I was so happy and uh, I, but. I'm close because I was I was working even when I was here. I never see you lots. Just when I was off, I take everybody to you know picnic or visiting all my friends or something. Or we went some trip to uh, what they call America or something. And that's it. But I was half myself because I was sleepy, tired, and all the news come from there. I wanted to know as mentally or the behavior or in your mind what happened when I left exactly when I before exile by force exile myself to Port Hope. First thing, what happened? First reaction you had when I left, and well, I, I'll have to say for sure because, like you did mention, you weren't around as much even when you were living here because yeah. of you were working graveyard shifts. Yeah. I'd only see you on weekends or whatever days that you were off, um, and um, before even the 
the divorce, the separation, or whatever. Uh, it, separation. Separation. Well, it, in, it is, in your mind, it's a separation. In the legality of the Canada, it's a divorce. So you have to clarify that. Um, so in that situation, when I was young, and especially since I, once I entered the school system, so a childhood mainly is the school system. That's the the 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's the institution that most of my life I was in. That situation, even when you were still living here, um, grade one, starting there, I was being bullied. I quickly realized that I was a different person here. I was not accepted as same as everyone here because we grew up in this rural mm -hmm. town especially back then this place was like a farmland and uh especially the school here is not even a school that's in the city exactly. in the downtown it was for all the people on the outskirts so since the very very beginning i knew that i was different from the other people the other students and even the teachers and they made me feel not really accepted and I didn't understand that. So even starting from grade one, I was bullied really bad, uh, which if people watch, they call me Baba. I explained that traumatic situation that I experienced. Even the first, first days of school, um, when uh, Mama would walk me to school, everyone would throw rocks at us, and Mama too. So we were facing this over and over again, and... I didn't know what would what was going on. In grade one, I stopped talking. I didn't talk. I was like a mute because I was traumatized so bad. And then they put me in special education class. It's not right. I didn't know Yeah, that. they put me in special education class, which I kept leading to believe because everyone kept bullying me, calling me a packy, whatever, foreigner. I thought there was something wrong with me. So I thought I was, I started believing maybe I am special needs. Maybe I am this like oh, brown shit. child that uh, is like less than other people or whatnot. Because that's, that's the world you're in. Yeah. Um, luckily, I got out of it once they did tests on me. They realized that I was actually above average. And they put me back into the, in, in with the regular students. But uh that was from an early age, I had this sense of low self-esteem put into me that even though I was born here, I would not be accepted the same level as other people uh, based off of, I don't know, because I was a little bit more hairy or my skin was olive color instead of white. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me as a child. Now, when the divorce happened, when you left not not port hope but when you were just not in the in the yeah, household okay. any anymore that reinforced that feeling of sadness in me that i am not i will never be normal <laughs> for me i always saw myself as different that i'm not accepted here because i am my family wasn't born here my culture isn't the same and uh, now my family is one of the few that is broken up and divorced. My dad's not here. And I just felt completely alienated and isolated from everyone else. And that's why I never made friends. It was hard for me to make friends with anyone or to relate to anyone, which was why I was just reading books, reading comic books, magazines, playing video games and staying home. A lot of that was also that xenophobia was it was reinforced by each other because we would get hurt at school. Mama would get rocks thrown at her and then the school would keep telling that I got hurt, I got bullied or I was put into special education. And that reinforced M Mama's xenophobia that all these people here are bad. So everyone is bad. It reinforced each other. Because of those unfortunate situations mm -hmm. and because of the mentality of the fear of leaving Iran and everything, it was reinforced that everyone's bad. Don't talk to anyone. They don't want to talk to you any, either, e anyways. And everyone, they hate you. So don't go there. So I was very much sheltered. 
especially during the time when, so you were like the only person I had beforehand that would take me places. When you were gone, I wouldn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mama wouldn't, she couldn't drive. We wouldn't go anywhere. I wasn't allowed to go hang out with my friends mm -hmm. because first of all, I barely had any friends. And the few friends I had, Mama was extra cautious because she said that they are, they're going to hurt you. They're going to be, they're bad people. They're going to stab you in the back. So when I was a kid, I literally believed that I was born into hell. This is the wrong world for me mm -hmm. because I'm born into this unfortunate situation. And this is a child trying to come into grasps with what the hell's going on where no one wants you here. I felt that I wasn't wanted in this existence at all, that it was just a mistake that I was born. Oh, Since a little, little yeah. child, that's what I believed. Before, I even, I, Before you even left, because oh, I barely oh, saw you okay. anyways, and yeah. I was getting hurt at school all yeah. the time. Didn't make any sense. And exactly, I can feel it. I can understand your feeling because... When I born in a, my hometown, they called me everything because I was minority, and they called me. I, but the different, there are many. My cousin, everybody was the same thing. You yeah, know, you still a, had even yeah, a small a group, community yeah, of people. Small, yeah. We had complete no, isolation. No, no, I no group of that. people. But I, am, I feel so sorry. But your mom was. Because controlling you, you guys, when I was here, always wants to chase you. I was not happy with the. But she was scared. Out. Scared, yeah. I can't blame I'm her. Still scared. I can't blame. Well, it, when those things happen at the point zero at the beginning, it becomes reinforced. That becomes the mindset. Yeah, yes, yes. Especially yeah, at an early age for a child, yeah, yeah, that yeah. damage is permanently yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. damage is permanently done. Even with me, that damage. Well, it, it becomes it goes generational because those fears and that feeling of victimhood is in our family that yeah. we're all family of martyrs or whatever. It perpetu it comes to true every generation unless you don't believe it anymore. Let go. Yes, but you mentioned they call you every when I came here and work anywhere. They call me all the name, uh, Pak is just uh, Then when they took hostage, they call me terrorists, everything. They call me Ayatollah. My name is Factory. I said the fire son, they call me never by name. Ayatollah come here. Even my boss called me Ayatollah. That's a real thing. And that's, I felt the same feeling, but I, I but you were a grown man, I, though. You were an adult. I, that's why I fight. I was, I was like was six, so seven years old. I threw the knife to the uh, that guy. Uh, that guy was... Uh, yeah, but is that the right way? No, because I couldn't control. And all bad news come, and they make me laughing. They call me uh, everything. And no, not I don't uh, say it's right, but this is feeling... and. This is power and, and not power means controlling. I don't know, and I, that situation of everything all together make us make me like that, and I was really burned out. I was burned out. Okay, I, well, we talked about this already. Please don't switch it back to talking about we. You no, talked about this yes, situation. Yeah, no, I want you to continue asking me yeah, questions. I need many. First, I'm sorry I didn't know that. Now you're tell me your feeling. Yeah, I've been and to therapy. I you thousands of dollars you know of therapy better. for that junk. Really? And, and why do you think they put me on Paxil? All these antidepressant drugs, all this therapy was all for that. What did you think? I was just born that way. No. That's what that whole scenario was all about. Still, I have, I have social disorders. They, I'm diagnosed with all this BS that whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it does affect my life. It affects it affects how my daily life is. That it has, it, but for better or for worse. 
because it puts these, it changes your behavior. Some things you focused on some things more than others. So it has become positives have come out of it for sure. But I would be lying if I said that it did not affect who I am. It for sure did. And that's just basic psychology is those things that happen as a kid, kid, children internalize those, those things. Um, I was lucky that I had some good teachers that recognized what was going on and they would help me and they would acknowledge what I was going through. And that was a big part of what gravitated me to become a teacher as well. What attracted me to become a teacher because I had some few good teachers that stepped in and that made a big difference. Okay. That that made the difference that, okay, the world isn't completely crazy. There are some people that recognize, had empathy to see that this child is going through this and and would talk to me, which that was, that was all I needed. That's all a child needs, someone to just sit down and be honest and talk to them. I wish somebody like that advised me. Yeah, always me, huh? <laughs> Not me, oh, I wish no. Worked out because I end up like you. Better. You said you had a community. You, you had a community. You had people that helped you, both in Iran and in Port Hope. You've had Not people that helped me. I, mean, I lost my father when I was eleven. That's why no I was with them, and most of them was same situation with me. Anyhow, you are. God, I'm proud of you now because it's positive, mostly positive effect, and it was interesting, advantage, uh, excitement, everything you had, and that's why make you tough and make you thinking and many positive out of your this thing. But I didn't know that. I, okay, that's a schooling. After that, what happened? Means uh, when I was, uh, I went around the world, not around the world. And what happened? When well, I, that was the thing. I mean, school was the biggest part. Was people asked me about, well, what does your dad do? Really? Yeah. What do I? I always just made something up. First, first I would say you're a factory worker, but then I would just not avoid the question, especially with what? What would your mom? That was the oh, big question. Yeah. What does your mother and father do? I had no answer for that. I felt horrible. I felt low self. I felt like a loser because it was already, oh, this guy's like a foreigner. And what, what does his parents do? My mom is a homemaker and my dad is unemployed. My dad is homeless. That was the answer. I didn't, I, I was, I had this sort of shame. I had this shame. So that's why I became always hiding always hiding about my my life never let friends come over never talk about what was going on because i felt bad and all i wanted to do is feel accepted by other people in the end it came to a breaking point where i got so upset and so fed up that i was like i don't want to be accepted by anyone i and then it was the power shift where once I hit completely rock bottom, yeah. I was free and I didn't care. And then that attracted everyone to then want to be accepted by me, want to yeah. follow me. You and that's how I found comedy. I was, I had, I, I, it became a power in the sense of uh, being able to talk in front of crowds of people because I've always had this feeling that everyone is watching me and everyone's talking behind my back. And, and whenever I had an opportunity that I could stand up and it was my turn to talk and everyone had to listen to me talking and I was in public speaking, mm-hmm. that's when I felt that first taste of power and I was able to, everyone's all eyes on me and I was already used to that. That was the bad sense of all eyes on me. I had this bad feeling that always everyone's staring at me because I'm different. Always everyone's staring at me. So in this case, I was so used to it, me standing in front of 200, 300, 1,000 people makes no difference. It's almost like a release because I'm already feel like everyone's watching me. So when I'm finally standing on stage and everyone's watching me and I can finally talk, 
I can finally speak and everyone has to sit yeah. down and listen, that's, that's my release. So that became my greatest asset. Unreal. When I got to grade seven yes. and grade eight, I had a yeah. father figure and a teacher. I had the same teacher for grade seven and grade eight. And that was Mr. Greenfield. He came to our school during first class was our grade seven class. And he was a quiet, like chain smoker man. He wouldn't talk to, he was like me. He wouldn't talk to the rest of the teachers because he thought they were all weird hicks. And he would just go in the parking lot or in his car and smoke cigarettes. He, uh, he got us as a class to do journals. Mm -hmm. We would do journaling. We would write in a journal and then hand it into him like blogging before blogging existed. This is like 1996. And I would, I, I was, I had a talent at writing. Yeah. So I would write and I would write honestly. This is the only time I could write honestly about what was going on in my life at home. And that's when he understood and he understood what was going on. And he almost made a whole program for myself. He realized that I was somewhat gifted or whatever. And he said, I could put my desk wherever I wanted. Everyone was a normal desk pointed to the front where the teacher was. My desk was pointed to the window, isolated where I wanted. Really? And oh. at the beginning of each week, yeah. he would give me a list of, these are all the assignments I have to finish by the end of the week. So yeah. that I would take the assignments and Monday at home, finish everything in one day. So then the rest of the week, I would just sit like my office, sit at that desk, look at the window, read video game magazines and do whatever I wanted. He'd let me do that for two years, for grade seven and grade eight. And I became the valedictorian. Uh, he, he, was, he, he was an inspiration in my life, that, that guy. But unfortunately, he passed away of cancer. Oh, he got yeah, lung, he got lung cancer very, very early. So I never, yeah. I never even got to talk to him. Yeah. After I graduated grade eight and went to high school, I never got to talk to him to thank him for what he did for me because he really changed my life. I believe, I think, I think he yeah. was originally from maybe like Hamilton or somewhere else. Okay. Well, and then he moved to Grimsby. I think he had two daughters or something. I don't know too much oh, about, okay. about yeah. him, but that guy was, uh, he definitely was a big, uh, what? he affected my life for sure. He was a person who actually instilled some confidence in me that I took on into high school. Um, but after, once I entered high school, everything rebooted because I was top of the food chain. It's like prison. Yeah. School yeah. is this institution. Yeah, it's just like prison. Once you start in prison, you need to, people are going to try to hurt you, make you their bitch. Yeah. If you don't fight back, you're the bitch. Yeah. You're at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So I fought my way all the way to the top to grade eight. I was always the class president, the class clown, yeah, popular in grade yes. eight. There's like... Uh, awards there, whatever. And then once I got to high school, everything was reboot. All that confidence was gone. As soon as I got to my locker and kids found out, the older kids found out that that was my locker. The next day when I went to it, it was smashed in and then they wrote like with a knife packy on it. Really? Oh. So from that point, I yeah. stopped going to my locker. Uh -huh. I would keep all my binders and textbooks in my backpack and I would carry them around. So I started to get this bad posture, a hunch, because I would just carry, yeah, I yeah. didn't want to go back to my locker that said like Packy on it. And no one did anything. No one did anything. You that locker was free. No? I didn't complain. Okay, I didn't yes. complain. But the, the locker was left like that for a week until a janitor like changed the door or something. They had to reorder another door. I still didn't go back to that locker. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, for, for years, the bus that stopped here, bus 54, I would get on that bus and all the older kids that were in grade 11 or whatever, yeah. they would every day call me a packy and yell at me from the back of the bus and the bus driver wouldn't do anything. Every day. And... Uh, it went on for years, and I, I told you weren't here. I, I told I told mom about what was going on. She would just tell me to like 
pray <laughs> God would make them yeah. disappear or something. <laughs> and then I did that because I, I was I was very yeah. much a religious child. I was very much uh, yeah. a faithful religious child. I would say my prayers when I would wake up and then when I would go to sleep. And I, I think that was that was probably the best thing. Nowadays, everyone keeps saying that it's uh, meditation and mindfulness is what everyone's coming back to it, a non-secular form of it. That, I would say, at least when I did that, my yeah. mind was clear. I was a smarter person, and I was able to have a good night's yeah. sleep. Oh. So I'm not knocking any of that. I accept that that, that prayer, praying, yeah. is a good thing. Yeah, no does. matter what religion, even if you don't use a religion, meditation is a good thing. It is not a good it is not good though if you do not stand up for yourself. That was important. At that point, I got to a breaking point again, like mm -hmm. I did in elementary school, yeah. where I was like, I don't I fuck it. I don't I don't care anymore. Yeah. I just stood up and walked to the back of the bus, went up to the kid, and I said, What you call me a packy? And they started like exactly. they got surprised yeah. that oh shit this guy yeah. is actually yeah. saying something like you want to call me a packy to my face yeah and from that point they just stopped they became my friends yeah all the older kids became my friends it just completely flipped until I just just confronted it right up and I used humor I used comedy that's yeah. all I knew was comedy yeah and um. That was when things started to change, and it wasn't just comedy. It was through my knowledge of technology that mm -hmm. I became popular. I became popular with the nerdy kids because I knew stuff about computers because I spent most of my life just in front of a computer. And um, even with the popular kids, because that time I was the only person that had a CD burner so I could make copies and mix CDs of... Uh, of different rap music and all this stuff. Yeah. And I would sell it to all the cool kids and yeah. they all knew me as the hookup for, for that kind of stuff. So then I wrote rose to popularity again. Um, I started to get into music into making rap music yeah. and my rap music was directly, uh, because I thought it was hypocritical. I saw all these, all these, I guess, white kids or whatever that, made fun of me they were racist yet they listened to black music and they dressed like <laughs> black people yet they were racist towards black yeah. people they like that african-american culture which it's i thought deep. was ridiculous and completely hypocritical but then i understood that that is the currency that's the way you gain power in that prison of high school is to use popular culture and popularity Oh. So that's how I learned all well, I'll just make I'll make rap music. I'll make rap music making fun of these people and they bought it. They bought the music. They praised me to the point that they made I became student council president and I was known throughout yeah. the entire high school oh, which I mean ultimately that led me to I have a masters in popular culture. I mastered popular culture in high school I would say already. So those were the things. At, at the very, at the very least, I could say that, despite all of these hardships yeah. of feeling alienated and isolated, I wasn't completely crushed because I kept saying to myself too. I remember even at a young age, uh -huh. I was saying, "How come I'm not? How come I didn't go crazy? How come I didn't completely go crazy?" and lose awareness and just become oblivious of what was going on. Mm -hmm. I was always self-aware and I chalk that up to, I guess a little bit of me was resilient. Mm -hmm. That's all I can say. I guess I had resilience in me. There was always this fighting spirit inside of me that never stopped and allowed me to just, even when things got shit, it got even, it had to get to the rock bottom mm -hmm. and that drove me back to the top. It gave me, it started that fighting spirit, that passion came out of me. So I was lucky to have that. Um, the times that I would see you, even though they were bittersweet, I wasn't, I wasn't happy or proud that you were uh, during high school, you were high school in the end of elementary school, you were living out of a car 
So I wasn't proud of that. I wasn't happy about that, but I was still happy to see you and at least know that you were involved in my life. As much as you could, you would try. You would give me gum. You would give me candy. It, it meant it meant something really? that you were you were still so. trying to be involved in my life. Yeah, that so. that and and then for me, I wanted to create because I was ashamed that when you were unemployed and all this and homeless, I wanted to create this father figure that was larger in life. Which leading to the videos that we made in YouTube, the Pidaba Pissar series, that was that. That was that manifestation of creating this ideal idyllic father figure, yeah. this this champion, this uh, this uh, celebrity to create this like lineage of we're always we're a family of comedians and talented people. Uh, you did you did perfectly. I'm so. No famous. I feel some. You make me famous. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean that. What I believe me. Initially, that. I wanted to first make myself famous, but I, I mean, no, not really. Actually, first I wanted to make you famous yeah, to clear yeah, the path yeah, for yeah, me, okay. as in that I created this and legacy. You did it. Believe me, which is believe. just kind of weird. It's crazy. Like I'm sure some some psychologists will have a fun time analyzing all of this, but it is what it is. That's what happened, and uh, I don't regret any of it whatsoever. I'm sorry, ma. I'm sorry for that. I feel so. I was not. If I stay here, it was worse. I know myself, it was worse, or, or, or I was not alive. I, I agree with that. Yes, I agree with that. Me. I think if, if you were here, yeah, things would just have yeah, gotten worse. Yeah, worse. And I think then I wouldn't have been as resilient. I think I would have been that more of that mute, yeah, confused. Unconf yeah. It wouldn't have forced me to find myself and become the person I am. Yes, yes, I would have just been this lost yeah. person. That's why I know that. And you remember, I did my best, even first job to pay you. I was friend in my situation. I used to come visit you guys and sleep in uh, his house. Yesterday he came visit me. That's yeah. the first job. That mm. wasn't so okay. Don't that that was that was a very important job. That wasn't the first job though. I delivered flyers here. Oh, I did a no, lot of different jobs, the but real job. But man. that ah, I I, pay, I was working. Pay. I was working since I was twelve, Baba. Yeah, I, I worked a lot right. of jobs, yeah. but that was the first job that um absolutely that was the first job that. Uh, utilized what i liked was film so yeah, let me explain yeah, this so yeah, baba please. yeah so um well, what we could say the names talkies so yeah, in, in grimsby right. in grimsby uh like i said before for me my escapism was movies and video games your for you was movies yeah, for me was movies and video games so video rental stores were a very much important part of our life yeah that's so um uh because we didn't have Netflix and all this crap yeah. that we, you guys have now, you would go to the video rental store to get movies and, mm. and games. And um, so in town, there was always just two video stores in town. Usually it was the big chain, so Jumbo Video. Yeah. And then there was Talkies Home Video. And Talkies, I know, actually, I know the original, original owner. I went to high school with the son of the father that made the original talkies video that that family after that they they sold it to that husband and wife couple yeah, that yeah. when we were renting it was from that husband and wife couple i remember i was a kid and that was where they had hooks in front of the movies that you can pick the vhs or the betamax version of the movie and mm -hmm. they would get it for you after they sold that, they sold that to okay. Amir. Yeah. And where is Amir from? What's his background? From Zanzibar? Zanzibar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Zanzibar. Yeah. So, well, here we go. We have another 
a, a, a minority <laughs> in, in Grimsby running a prominent business in Grimsby too, the, the independently owned video store. Yeah. That was a big deal. So when Baba would like, we would, we were always patrons of that video store yeah. bef before Amir bought the store. So after Amir yeah, bought the store, yeah. we'd introduce ourselves yeah. and Baba immediately Mom, became friends with friend them. Because we almost look like almost they call me Pakistan. Almost with them. Yeah, you guys just, yeah. go, you knew how each other's like situation was going. And, and he, was, he is a good guy and he. He was uh, so uh, intelligent. It means very uh, smart. Yeah, very, yeah, uh, smart yeah. He's a very guy. smart guy. He's a very he, smart guy. He studied in Ireland. Ireland always. Yeah, yeah. No, and so yeah. we would rent from that store for many, many yeah, years. Yeah. And then once I was old enough in high school, yeah. Baba was able to get me a job working at the store because he was good friends with Amir yeah. and they knew they knew us we would always yeah. go rent there so he would I got a that was my first like major job was working at Talkie's video and it was great that was great because that was the first time Baba you scored that job for me and I got to work uh, I got to work in the industry that I love which is uh. film and video games. There was nothing and better you than that. I'm so happy when I come visit you and yeah, uh, I stay with uh, Amir and family, a wife and uh, you I crash said, at their yeah, house whenever also, you come visit. Uh, yeah, and I was always really happy, especially when I was working there. I was very happy, and I was like, uh, you win the boss. Even yeah. Amir told me. Nobody cared about him. Everybody come asking you. Yeah, you know? I be, well, I was, yeah, he, I quickly became the manager yeah, there. My. And I would always work there during prime time, like during like the important hours of the evening. So everyone would come and I would recommend them movies. Yes, yeah. And yeah. I would take care of all the customers. Yeah, I had so exactly. many regular customers there. And that's how I got to know everyone in Grimsby. What's through that? That led to that popularity led to that that feeling because i was that i was in my domain yes, yes. the domain of yes. film yes. video yes. games yes. and yes. being able to talk to people candidly about film and video exactly. games it was yeah. it was very much a positive loop for me and i was very very happy i ended up working there throughout high school and then a year after about say five years i worked at talkies ah, video yeah, yeah. Oh, five yeah. years i i worked at it Gosh, independently man. run movie store which is which is yeah, it yeah, was yeah. it was great it was great yeah you got to thank you and you got to thank him yeah i mean like that's that's work but um it was a really good experience for me and it made me realize that whenever i was working i was happy work was always worship for me yes. when i was working yeah. that was a, a good feeling for me and I was working there in uh, exile. I was working, but working, you know, as a uh, agriculture worker uh, or cutting grass, helping other Just people. Just like under, under, under the table kind yeah, of stuff. You always called it you were a chore boy, remember? Yeah, I was chore boy. Just you do odds and ends. That lady... Even for just looking on something, they pay you $100 or something. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> incidentally, actually, that was the most lucrative thing was tech because support. for me. That they were helping you out. Yeah, yeah they were helping you out. Yeah, that was... Uh, I helped them too much. I, I don't expect the money even... I don't care about money because I lost all my family. Just I was helping and they were good enough to pay me without the, many of them and pay me less but uh, compared with other people. But it's good. I was happy they were. And I make friends. The exact your story and you repeat to me. Then the, that's it, uh, high school. I missed the graduation. I came high school. I came visit yeah, you. Yeah, you came for my high school graduation. Yeah, uh, that was Japanese. in like a 2002. You had a Japanese, uh, yes, yeah, okay. yeah. You came back from Japan. I got to, I went and I visited uh, yes, my sister yeah, in, in yeah. Japan. 
and I came back and we had our graduation there. And then after that, I, uh, I still, so when I graduated yeah, from yeah. high school, this was the unfortunate thing. So this is one thing I'll tell you. The honest story was I was still not happy. Okay. For I what? For nothing. I oh, was not, yeah. I, I still had that deep sadness yeah, ingrained yeah. into yes, me. Yes, yes, And um, right. I don't know how much of this, when, when I had, so I had low self-esteem. I wanted, I wanted to be liked. I had very bad acne. I had a huge acne problem on my face and on my back, like disgusting cystic yeah, acne. It was horrible. It was horrible. So I went to the doctor and they prescribed me Accutane this medication and it was expensive. So when you wonder where all this money that I made from working at talkies and, mm. and burning CDs and doing all this stuff, a lot of it unfortunately went to the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was hooked on drugs from a <laughs> young age legally. They got you. <laughs> so they took me, I went and they put me on Accutane and this, this medication basically shuts off all the glands in your body. So you don't secrete oils oh. and it dries out your face. It just makes your face, you look, you turn into a lobster, your lips start to crust mm. off and all this. It cures acne, but unfortunately, it also shuts off the glands that create mm. serotonin, all those oh. uh, fluids that are supposed to make you happy, and um, it skyrocketed my depression. It uh, made me feel horrible. And they didn't know that? or they Well, when I went to the damn. doctor, when I went to the doctor, I wish I didn't tell them that. I wish they didn't give a damn. Because all that did was lead them oh, another opportunity a, yeah, to sell me another same. drug. Oh, so I went and I told the same doctor, I'm like, I just feel like shit. He's like, yeah, that's the side effect of Accutane. So then he put me on Paxil. Holy and it was nasty. just like a drug deal. At, at the beginning, he was giving yeah. me, he, he, I could see at that time he felt some sort of guilt. But then he started giving me samples. Yeah. And that, that drug is addictive. So he first just kept giving me samples yeah, of it. He's telling me, take these 20, 20 milligrams of this. Ton. I'm oh. like, okay, okay, okay. And I, I would take this stuff and it made me into a zombie. So I had no emotion, good or bad. Yeah. So I start yelling. I do anything. I could, it, it really no, helped in no comedy because I had no yeah. feelings whatsoever. Yeah. I was just a zombie. It made me overweight. And it messed up my sleep. I would oversleep a lot too. Oh, so, um, and then to the point where I would, I would start paying. It was like hundred dollars a month or whatever subscription to this, to this medicine that I had to pay for it wasn't covered. And um, so throughout high school, especially my most critical year, the last year of high school, mm -hmm. which was grade thirteen OAC, is that the marks your average from that year determined were submitted to the universities you apply to. So I, prior to my last year of school, I was an 85% average student. I was a high average student. I was, yeah, I was gifted yeah, since elementary yeah, school. Yeah. I was in the enrichment program, yada, yada, yada. However, the last year of school, when I became all popular and I thought that this is all it is, I just need to be popular, all mm. this stuff, and I was on the effects of those drugs that I couldn't wake up to get to my 9 a.m. classes or whatever. It affected my marks. I stopped caring about my marks. I couldn't study and all that. So my average dropped to 78%. Mm. But I already, at the beginning of the year, I already applied to all these like high Ivy League schools equivalents to Canada, like uh, McMaster. I, I, I applied to the first e-commerce <laughs> Uh, uh, at the Groot School in McMaster, uh, Western. I applied to business and computer classes at the highest, the best <laughs> courses ever, and I only had a 78 average at the end of it. All I got, I remember in the mail, were decline, decline, Isn't decline. Right? Yeah. I, I did not get into any university that I chose to be in. None of that. And I was devastated. Mm, I was already yeah. depressed taking yeah, medicine. Yeah, yeah. I was even. I was like, I fucked up my life. My life is over. Mm. I was screwed. I and at that time, I was alone home. No one was here. I would sleep in the living room, and the computer was set up in the living room. I just wake up, make five eggs, a bunch of toast, a bunch of bacon, 
and put cheese in it and eat these disgusting sandwiches and then go back to sleep. I still, the only thing I had was talkies. I still worked at talkies. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then um, a friend, a friend recommended me huh. to go see her brother do stand-up comedy at Yuck Yucks in Toronto, my yeah. friend Joanna, and she recommended that why not apply for this program? You're a comedian. Yeah. You should apply for this program. During that time, besides working at Talkies, I was also taking the bus to Toronto and doing Second City Improv. That was the only thing that would make me happy was doing improvisation because I do drama in school. I love doing comedy. So I was still, I would I would walk to downtown yeah, where that no, bus is and then take the bus to Toronto, do a class for one hour, and then come back to Grimsby. Is that I was that I was dedicated to that yeah, shit because that cool. was the only thing that was making yeah, me happy. Yeah. So then I did audition for college. I got into that, and then when I when I got accepted to it, I was like, "This is my chance. This is my calling. I'm a comedian." They accepted me. My audition. I did stand up, and then I got in. This is it. And then I tried to like lose weight. Because I thought I need to lose weight. I need to become a, a celebrity or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just started starving myself, not really doing anything proper. I didn't know how to lose weight, just being an <laughs> idiot. Yeah. And that's when that journey started of me going to Toronto, where, remember, I, I was sleeping on the floor of that yeah. Jamaican frat house that oh, shithole yeah, with that Indian yeah. guy who was ripping oh, me off. Okay, Ali Noruzi, God yeah, bless his God soul. He gave that mirror that right mirror, there. Yeah, he brought me that mirror. Yeah. He gave me like a heroin mattress yeah, to sleep on. Yes, yes, um, yes, that's yes, when that, that, that part of my life started. Um, but uh, still, uh, you know, you were low that time. Uh, still, you were not so happy like you know. well i d i had an attitude i was very yeah, rebellious yeah. i was very brooding Brood, i had like i was yeah. angry i was yeah. angry at the world because i was like poor oh, i don't blame just, life was yeah, shitty i didn't know that uh, but i am so happy i'm so proud no you are honestly you are i'm so proud i got to and bow you i got to respect i'm I, respecting i don't you. i don't need anyone's respect except myself that's what i learned at an early age i but thank you thank no, you no, as a father let me um because i know that you are in this hardship and in canada you have you made yourself and that's that's it that's your prize but I got many questions to ask about uh, after that, but I feel now, I feel I'm old now. Not old, but um, it's possible to, yes. Uh, I wanted to know about uh, your uh, school, uh, university, especially then uh, went to Japan all day. Yeah, okay, thing. sure. No, I'll explain uh, that for yeah, you. Yes. So I did comedy school. Comedy school was two years. Oh, yeah, I felt yeah. that it should have just been one year. That was the that was the problem. Yeah, I think you are not so happy you got that. You are not. If 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 I finished it after one year, yeah, things would have been better. The postgraduate program was one year. The second year, I was getting pissed because I realized that this is a ripoff. Yeah. It's, I'm not gaining anything from it. Mm -hmm. So that was the other part where I kind of burnt out at the end of it. I was pissed off. I was angry at everyone because I was now in debt and I didn't feel that I was getting any value yeah. out of it. And um, from then on, I had this, I was living in Toronto, um, working at a bookstore, Chapters. I was working at yeah, Chapters. Yeah. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to... Uh, my sister, she was living in Japan for a while. She was changing contracts, so she had an extra apartment. She asked me if I wanted to go for a couple months and just stay there and just how it was an opportunity of a lifetime. So what I did was I figured out how to be there for three months. I had to get a special visa, so I had to... Uh, they You have to show that you have $3,000 in traveler's mm -hmm. checks. I just withdrawed from my credit card put it on there <laughs> showed the embassy got the visa and then put it back on my credit card paid it off so i went there with nothing um luckily i had my sister there that yeah, helped yeah. me out in that sense but 
I was able to get a job there. I was able to get a job working there. And that's a whole story in itself. The Japan, the three years、yeah. that I was in there, that's a whole chapter in itself. And it was great. That was, the first that was the first point in my life that I would say I was happy because I was working and I was independent. Yeah, yeah. Had my own apartment, had my own like, job, had everything, had a whole life going for、I、me at that came, time. You make me, I came from, not uh, your, uh, your sister, my daughter. Make me to go there visiting. I got opportunity and I love Japan. I, I wanted to know. I've seen him by a few months. I one month I was there. I think two two times. Anyhow, I wanted to Japan. When you were there, I want to hear about Japan. Well, that might be in a pod. I, I think we would、yeah. put that for next, next week's podcast because、oh, okay. that's a story in, its, in itself.、Um, oh, I am looking forward to that. That would be, yeah. yeah. Well, so, next, so next week we'll、yeah. talk about、uh, Japan.、Um, that'll be a whole story in itself. That'll probably be an hour in itself talking about yeah, that experience. So. so we got up to the point where I finished college and went to Japan. Yeah. And we'll continue it off. But, anyways, son, son, I'm so sorry for that、uh, hardship and all these things. I indirectly or directly I caused it, but、uh, still I'm happy you are healthy and you are、uh, successful. And I was proud of you from childhood, and now I'm more proud. And you are the meaning of life for me at the moment. I live for that. I hope I'll be this thing, be alive to see you,、uh, you your marriage or your children or child or something. That's my only this thing. But it's all right. As far as you're happy, I'm proud. Thank you very much, Dad. Thank、right. you. Thank you, Baba. And thus concludes episode six of the Pedarva Pissar podcast. Thank you for listening. Next week, we'll continue on talking about Japan and my life afterwards coming back to Canada. Once again, if you can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Amazon Music, leave a rating, leave a review. We very much appreciate that. Have a great week.